It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. So, Matt, currently, I got that actually on video. You are currently shown on the video. So, if you see stuff changing back and forth tonight, it's because we're actually in Daniel's house tonight. We're not in our studio. We're giving our video recording a test shot. And so far, guys, what do you think? Uh, I mean, let me tell you, it's a little bit more of a relaxed setting right now. I mean, we got the fireplace over here. We don't have a shot of that just yet, but uh, it's definitely nice to uh, test out all the new equipment as we start to kind of bump up our production quality and hopefully uh, more videos to come on YouTube. So it uh, looks a little crazy right now, though, in, in the living room. It's all right. It's got a nice comfy feel, though. And I tell you what, it doesn't feel as good as how excited I am to talk hockey. We, ha- we had about a week off due to sickness and stuff like that. So. Yeah. We, there's been a lot of league news going on lately, so I cannot wait because I feel some hot takes are coming tonight, boys. Yeah, there's going to be some heated discussion tonight, and like, and it's funny, and it might even actually come from yeah. a camp that we're not used to, and that's Matt, yeah, hot take Bane over here, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see his take on some of these because um, there, there's been some snubs. So, what's going on, Kyle, right now? So, first thing we're going to talk about is it's the All Star Game, you know, or some people like to call it the All Star Participation Game. Because heaven forbid we actually have people Hello. that are really good at the All-Star game make it. On the Preds side, obvious snub was Yossi. And I polled two people that we know that are really huge Preds fans. And they're both very upset that Yossi was snubbed. And he wasn't the only one. There were several other players who oh. just did not make it. Marchand. Yeah. I, I was uh, waiting for Matt to... Yeah, he was, he's been... I, you guys hate him, but he's been on fire. No, he was, on he was fire. number one star... Uh, last week or the week before that for NHL. Yeah, I think he had 10 points in 10 like points four in games. 10 points in four games. Yeah, uh, very incredible. I mean, but it, it's so difficult, and I, I guess that's where we can kind of start. We can kind of put Yossi aside for right now, is the fact that the All-Star games have always been unique in the sense that you only get to pick one player from each team, really, to represent. Um, and then, therefore, you basically have this problem where, you know, there's some teams that might not be as good, might not have like a very dedicated all-star representation for them. You mean like the uh, Coyotes? Coyotes, yeah. Um, we're looking at you or maybe the Sabres. Well, I, I might be able to, you know, justify one or two picks from them. But that said, man, it, it's been difficult to see this year because there's been some stellar performances Um basically on like your second best player on the team that could have made the all-star game. And honestly, in my opinion, it would make the all-star game that much more competitive. Like why not do that? Yeah. Well, let's tell you what, let's take a look at, uh, for, for some compare and contrast, let's look at, uh, the central division specifically, because I feel like we're going to get back around to talking about Yossi, which is the big issue in this particular topic. So, uh, central vision consists of Alex Dabrinkit, Kyle Connor, Kirill Kiprasov, Clayton Keller, which was kind of, okay. Uh, Jordan Cairo, Nate McKinnon, Joe Pavelski, and Kale McCarr is the only uh, defenseman in the central, along with uh, UC Soros and Cam Talbot for, def- for uh, goalies. 
I, I mean, I, you, I, I can't argue you not being on there. I mean, there's a few people that you're kind of like, mm, I, I, I don't know. And then, of course, you have your last man in yeah. contest, too. And so that was a uh, cadre got in, correct? I believe that's who it was. Yeah. I don't have that pulled up. I'm not going to lie. Actually, we we actually got on a sidebar on this the other night, how the abs really lucked out with him. I mean, talk about incredible. He's, he's putting up literally career points at 4.5 million, also on a contract year, by the way. So yeah, convenient, uh, very convenient for him because he's going to be wanting to get paid this next season. But, um, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's a good list there. There's some arguments that I would make, but once again, it's like, there's a few people that have been omitted that you're kind of like, mm, really? Are they better than most of these? And yes, the stats back them up heavily for being better. I mean, like to we, be fair, also Sidney Crosby didn't get it. I, I know you, you have Sidney Crosby, like I said, Marchan and Yossi all sitting on the sideline. Is yeah. that, is that an all-star game? Like you, you want to tell me that's not an all star? Like you can make a side team B, and it almost be as good as the actual all star. You, do you see what I mean? Like take literally take like your second picks from the teams um, that might have been right there or just at the edge of making it. Um, like in the Preds case, like yeah, obviously Saros was probably the best pick because you know he's been on fire, especially for the Central Division. I think there's, there's no other. There's no other. Um, uh, goalie in the central, obviously, yeah. and we'll talk about. I think his you stats. could argue he's he's top two in the league this year, uh, yeah. as far as goalie. So that's not a surprising. Yeah, uh, I I could probably axe a couple people off this list, but I think it's interesting to note the uh, the last man ends by the fans, and I don't really remember. I've got the horrible memory of everybody, so I don't remember how it was. Are you sure? Pass. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm told. Um, I don't remember if the fans had control over all of the voting or just like a little sliver, like like this year. Um, because it goes down to a little bit of a popularity contest, it seems, not just with the fans, but also the league. And since the league picked the majority of the picks this year, not just the captains, so the fans only picked the team captains and the last men in. The rest was picked by the league. So you could make a case for what is it the league is trying to showcase as far as trying to grow the brand of hockey, you know, internationally, really. I could see a lot of young talent, how they really favor young talent in the league uh, and maybe uh, esteemed career veterans even maybe those who aren't so hot right now. Uh, but I think what's the, the what's the interesting take is my position on Yossi because you guys know I'm not a homer. So uh, even though we, we live here local in the Nashville market, uh, people down here tend to like the breads and Yossi specifically. Uh, but I do find it quite an oversight, uh, yeah. really a damning oversight given the facts and the stats of Yossi. So let me tell you about some facts on Roman Yossi. So... As Michael Gallagher pointed out on Twitter, let me pull it up in my notes here. So Yossi is either first or second in the league among defensemen in points per game, power play goals, power play uh, points, shots on net, overall goals, and uh, something else I can't remember. But And not to mention he just won the Norris like two years ago. So he leads the league. He's either first or second in the league in defenseman in like six categories. And he was a former Norris very recently. I don't know how you can not have that guy in the league. He's, he's one of the top three best. He, and he very well might win the Norris again this year. He's in the discussion. So I don't know how you can not have that guy in the league. He's top three 
into the Norris discussion. Makar, I think Ekblad and Yossi are yeah. the three that I, I keep getting her tossed around right now. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. The stats are there. I, like, I get how, uh, yeah, so you can't argue that statistically, like as far as stats are concerned, that he doesn't deserve to be there. He does. And that's not me as a homer. That's any idiot with with the laptop can find out he's one of the top statistics producing defensemen in the league. But that being said, we go back to the uh, motivations of the league, perhaps. And, you know, I told I told us in the group chat, I said, you know, Yossi is a Swiss player. He's, Swiss people are kind of boring. They're not super marketable. Uh, marketable. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. I could also see how uh, less hot markets would produce. They want to not maybe bring those players in uh, like Arizona or Florida because they're not as hot. And, and Nashville is a hot market, but Yossi maybe isn't as marketable, marketable as a young Kiprasov or a, or a Kel McCarr or somebody that's got a little more energy and maybe appeals to the, the specific marketing campaign the NHL is doing for a younger crowd. So what about maybe changing the format yeah. instead of saying like, you know, per team, make go back to East versus West. Best players in the East versus best players in the West. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd argue that that might produce a better overall, like, competitive team. I, I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of like right now we're all about like, you know, well, every team gets a pick and it's kind of like, have you seen some of these picks and some of the names? Like, I would rather kind of do an East and West thing and then kind of leave it up to, you know, you might get a couple players, like definitely Marshan would have made the list. Sidney Crosby would have made the list. Yossi would have made the list. You know what I mean? And that would really bolster up an entire All-Star game, in my opinion. And then put some stuff on the line in the All-Star game. Make it worth it for these teams to actually compete, too. So, I don't know. It It's, it's very frustrating because even, like, as someone who loves the Preds, Yes, Yossi was snubbed, but like uh, you cannot overlook some of these other players too. Like Marchant, I could not believe it when he wasn't on the list. Like I- I'm like, hello, like have you seen this guy play recently? Like you know, last four or five years, this year his his stats have been off the chart already. So uh, I mean, it's it's only going to get better up until the All Star game too. He's now getting hotter, and it's like, well, now you've already locked in your pick. Oh, I-, yeah. I I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating to me to see. Um, such good talent not actually get drafted for an all-star appearance. I mean, cause let's, let's see, you know, like it is a nice honor to be named to the all-star team. I mean, cause at the end of the, the day, like when you call it, you know, a career that will be a stat that is on your sheet. I mean, let's just be honest about that. So like, I wouldn't mind having a couple all-star appearances underneath mine, but like, what if you keep getting snubbed because like you only, your team only gets one pick and then you have somebody on your team who's like literally top notch and just getting it every single year, like Ovi. So Ovi, this is his eighth appearance. Yeah, something that <clears throat> I would kind of like to see. I would like to see a list of who the players would have picked uh, if it was popular vote based on player voting. I'd like to see how different that was from what the actual results are based on what NHL front office thinks. And I kind of like that because there's a certain amount of like showmanship and respect that comes comes from players and knowing how to respect the game and who they value as being good for the game. And like I said, that it comes to different uh, different approach as to what your importance is. I know NHL, I think, is more focused on marketing than they are raw talent, like uh, the players maybe have a better sixth sense about raw talent. So marketing definitely comes into play for this one. So I want to transition real quick over on to the Edmonton Oilers. Matt, what is going on with your team? Like they are in a tailspin. 
They're on a six-game losing streak. Their last 10, they've went two, six, and two. What's up with your boys over there? Yeah, you know, I keep hearing people say that this is a do-or-die year for the Oilers. Like, it's 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 playoffs or bust because they they absolutely have to make uh, have to make playoffs, it seems. So I, I heard a good poem that says, uh, roses are red, violets are blue. The Oilers are wasting McDavid's time and Connor and uh, Drysidles too. Wow, that's that's very pretty there, Matt. So, uh, yeah, I'm really curious if McDavid after this year just say they don't make the playoffs. I'm really curious what happens in if that if that goes down. I think they're going to burn the ship. I, they need to. McDavid needs to get out of there. Well, I mean, hold, hold on. Have you heard all this this news about? bringing Evander Kane in too in the mix oh, and then also like so so we're talking about adding drama on top of it and then you also have the goaltender situation where he gets called out I, I mean oh yeah I, yeah I, I don't know what to do at this point this is this is quite hilarious like we'll see what what pans out but I, I have a feeling this ship is going down because the the frustration is mounting and then like now they're just adding fuel to the fire at this point. Honestly, I think they're just bringing Kane in just to be a fall guy for some sort of reason. But uh, that was a very interesting approach that I thought about the other day when I was thinking about this. So you're talking about Vander Kane and his uh, like going to Edmonton. So having to deal with well, the good people in the Canadian Border Services recently when we went to go visit my wife's family in Canada, they are very serious about right now traveling cross-border, especially if you're flying. and. As I was saying in our group chat the other day, one of the reasons why we've not heard a lot of talk about Kane right now going to the Oilers is because the NHL is doing their own investigation and the Canadian Border Service is doing their own investigation. So it's very well possible either one of them would come back and go, yeah, you violated the protocol and Edmonton can't get him. Yeah, well, it's, it's still speculation at this point. There's nothing official about him going to Edmonton, but it's official enough, the rumor mill, that Connor McDavid's being asked about it. <laughs> and Ken Holland is being asked about it too. And I tell you what, they asked him uh, post game the other day about uh, making a move at the trade line and possibly trading off a pick. And uh, his answer was very, it was not a good answer. It was like, he, he was kind of trying to thread the right needle without saying too much and without giving too much, tipping his hand too much. So he really didn't give a good answer. But yeah, it seemed like Connor wasn't super interested in having Evander Kane there, to say the least. Yeah, you, know, you could, I tell you what, when, when he had that press conference, you could have taken that a couple different ways. You could just say, well, he doesn't like him and he was trying to snub him. Or you could say, well, he really didn't want to talk about it because either one is too much drama and he just wants to not be involved in that specific kind of drama with Evander Kane, which has kind of surrounded Evander Kane his entire career. Or you could say, well, he's there to answer hockey questions and he doesn't want to talk about the rumor mill. He just wants to talk hockey because his team is really in a dogfight right now and they're doing they're slightly in a worse position than they were, I think, the last episode two or three weeks ago. So uh, it's time to bear down. And I think he's really just trying to focus and set. And, you know, he's the voice of the team. So I think he's really just trying to set the tone in the locker room and and at the press conferences of what we're about, what our goals, what our focus is, and what we need to be doing going forward. Let's also be honest, though. Like, Connor McDavid's press conferences are pretty bland and vanilla. I mean, they, they've been this way for, like, years. Everybody knows this. He's kind of just a stoic individual. He's there to play hockey and basically make the highlight reel. And but he's one of the best players ever, and you're telling me this guy has no personality. Uh, he doesn't. He's there to play he, hockey. He he's doesn't. Not a, he's, he's not an he's, actor. He's there literally the other day when he scored that one where he split like the you know the four players and he's just like, yeah, it was a good goal. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm paid to, to score goals. 
But like that's 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 his mentality. But he is so stoic and just like upfront about everything that I, I, I one he didn't remain neutral on it because he doesn't care about the Evander Kane thing. But at some point, like you know, it has to weigh on him in the back of his mind. Like, why am I here? Why is all this happening? And do I need to go somewhere else to actually have a shot? Like, you know, and it's, it's sad because they have pretty much the top two point getters in the league, and they still can't do it. They but it, still can't it, do it. It's funny. You mentioned it the other day. I was listening to the uh, ever so popular 32, 32 Thoughts podcast by Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, and they were talking about the fact, because they were having the same discussion with the Oilers, and they said this is the one thing that they really both like to argue about. Because on one hand, I believe it's Jeff Merrick who says they're playing just fine. But Friedman's going, no, Drysaddle and McDavid need to change how they play completely if they're going to get past this hump. Yeah, <clears throat> I think uh, you could probably make an argument. This is this is a good me too discussion. You could argue back and forth until the cows come home. And, and I did enjoy their discussion because for the gist of the people who didn't listen to that, it's exactly what Kyle said. The problem is nobody thinks that McDavid isn't a good player. The question is, do you try, for the sakes of the team getting over the hump into the playoffs, do you try to ask McDavid to do something different, to work a different system, a different a different core offensive structure and attack style, do something different to try to get the team over the hump? But, you know, the kind of the rebuttal is, McDavid's the best player in the world. How do you tell him to do something different? Torts would, Torts would disagree with you. He's already called him out on it. Torts. Yes has already called him out on this and he said he needed a change. So does he or does he not? Because he's the best player in the world and you've said this on podcasts before with us because we've argued this point with the whole O.V. McDavid thing and we settled that yes, he is the best player in the world. He's obviously the most dynamic, but does he need to change for Edmonton to actually have a chance? I... I, I don't. I, I say no. I say you just have to have a some sort of defense behind him. Yeah, yeah that's I think my point. You have to get some more pieces and the problem is you're trying to make the team better than what it is. That's not making your best player in the world even better. What that is, is putting the rest of the pieces of the puzzle to make it a complete team. And you can't do that in a half season. And that's the shortcoming. And you just have to realize that. And I wouldn't try to maybe make the whole team dynamic different, like like I said, the attacking structure or something. But I'm not asking Connor to do anything different. Best player in the world. What more do you want from the guy? Yeah, the rest of the team sucks, so maybe put it on the GM, which they did, <laughs> or, or yeah, something. Yeah, they but, have. Uh, you know. And don't forget, even the media is starting to take shots at Drysaddle. That Jim Matheson uh, interview that I showed you guys. Yeah. Where, you, know, you know, he asked Drysaddle, he's like, what do we need to do to change things? He goes, everything. He goes, can you expound upon it? No. And he's like, why are you being so pissy? I'm dude, like, dude. he called him out in the press conference and I was dying laughing. He and the favorite part is Dry Saddle afterwards was just like looking at him and he just kind of pans back over and he's like, You know everything, man. Like, you know. Like, what do you want me to say? And then literally he just gets up and then like you can tell like one of the 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 team reps is finally like, okay, this is over. We're done now. Like back off. Like we're we're done with questions for today. Cause like everyone like it you could cut the tension in the room with a knife. And I'm just like, man, it is it's getting serious down in uh in the old uh Oilers land there. So uh I, I don't know how that's all gonna pan out. But if Evander Kane actually does get through this fifth, sixth seventh chance debacle thing and ends up there i'm interested to see how it affects the team so yeah so that's the part we kind of sidebarred uh, i think the evander kane is very likely to go there because ken holland likes to take players at a bargain who doesn't 
And I think you're in a situation, you're, the, the tension is so high with trying to make the playoffs that you're going to be a little more uh, gung-ho or energized to make, you'll be willing to risk a controversial move like adding Evander Kane for the value he brings to the, to the roster. And I think that's a position that he's going to be put in and I think he's going to take it because of how critical things are at the moment. But yeah, like I said, it's still the rumor mill, so we're not quite sure, but it's looking that way. And so, Matt, I heard something about Lucerne going to Detroit the other day that you were like super oh, happy about. Man. I tell you, Kyle. Oh, get, get the hankies out. Get the hankies out. I about jumped out of my pants with excitement at work. I, I, visit, I audibly like yelled whenever that happened. I know not too many people are around though, so it wasn't that weird, but I was ecstatic. Nick Lidstrom is coming back to Detroit to be VP of hop, hockey operations. And uh, boys, it's time to go back home to Glory Town because <laughs> this, is, this is what it's all about. I've been kind of ranting on, on the TikTok a little bit about it, about Lidstrom coming back. And uh, these are two of the best captains in, in the history of the game and the two, best, the two most famous living captains in the Red Wings franchise. And you've got Lidstrom is the, is the best defenseman to ever play the game, not named Bobby Orr. And Iserman is the, is the GM who brought the Tampa Bay Lightning to where they're at to win a cup. You've got those two coming back. They're two of the best captains, two of the best players and general managers ever. They're one, two. They're, they're lining back up again in Detroit. They're coming back home. We're trusting the wiser plan. We're going to make the Red Wings great again. It's looking up. Well, I mean, I had even said this, I think, a year or two ago when, you know, this whole transition started. I was like, it's only going to be a matter of time because they had already been stockpiling all these picks, too. I, I mean, the amount of picks that the Red Wings had, they basically, like, pulled the, you know, like this last season's Coyotes where they just dumped everything just to, to start and rebuild. Yeah, it's it's been bad, I mean, for several years. But at the same time, too, they're doing the right rebuild because they started from the ground. They got the picks that they needed. They got basically picks during some of the highest draft classes too. That's that's the whole key to this is like they've already got some of their, I mean, we've already talked about Lucas and and what he's doing and some of these rookies for the Red Wings this year already. So you already have the key pieces moving forward and then you're already drafting more. Like it's only going to be a matter of time before you guys make the playoffs again. Like it, it, it will. It's yeah. just, you just got to trust the plan. Like I you got to follow the plan of rebuilding. The the. Here's the deal, and we talked about this too. The Avs did probably one of the best rebuilds we've ever seen. Like literally within like four or five years, they're literally one of the top teams in the league. Consistently playing for a Stanley Cup the last several seasons, and they probably will at least another two to three. Um, they, they're going to run into some cap space issues, which we've already talked about. But that said, it's going to be a similar thing for Detroit. Like they should get right back up to playoff uh, speed probably in the next, I would say, next year or two yeah honestly they're, they're the best they've been in a while and i tell you what regardless of what impact lidstrom has like that you can actually quantify in the organization what it, you just you can't overstate the importance to the fan base so you're talking about a team who's been kind of dejected you know for years about not making the playoffs i know crime river with all the cups but anyway the point is he's coming back so that means something to you as a fan base and as like a fan of the game really that's what i kind of said that you know i've i'm from detroit or grand rapids but uh this is my team i've been following my whole life so you you just don't really realize how much that means as you as you grow up in the game you you see your heroes grow up and they get old and they retire and they die 
we have like a rare opportunity to see like my hero. It's like my Superman. He was my favorite player coming up. So it's like my Superman's coming back into my life to come help me. And because of that, it's such a rare glimpse to be able to relive the glory era of hockey when Lidstrom and Eiserman were were playing together back years ago. So in some of this, some of this glory era of Detroit hockey was even before I was even old enough to remember or experience really. So I'm kind of getting to relive some of that glory days. So I'm 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 ecstatic. But now you're getting to see more of it because you've got the Calder Cup race going on. You know, Aaron Janot was a good contender for it. We're gonna talk about that in a bit. And who are those guys, Matt, over on the Red Wings that you like were like, Kyle, Terrence, you know, is not going to beat them. Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider had a bit of a brain fart there because we got... Uh, and Zegris is also in the mix, too. Yes, Sorry. Trevor Zegris and Terrence, you know, we, we're a little bit discombobulated because of the new scenery here tonight. Uh, yes, it, you definitely could be said, the call to race is crazy. You definitely can put Tanner Geno in the conversation. Uh, I don't think he wins it, but he makes a really good case, actually, uh, for it. I think he's leading currently rookies in in goals. Yeah, the the thing I think that is going to be interesting is where they're at towards the end of the year. Is all of a sudden like Raymond really got off to a hot start, really did, and then all of a sudden here recently he's had a more of a slump. Yeah, he had like ten games, ten where he games didn't score. in a row where there was nothing. So it allowed some of these other candidates to kind of catch back up. But I think the thing at the end of the day that will save Raymond is his assists. Um, because he, I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know all this. He is playing a center position, correct? Uh, no, they're they're wingers. They're wingers. Okay. So Zegris is the centerman. Which Zegris is, is the centerman. So I that that was one of the things I was thinking because I'm like I feel like Zegris should be catching up a little bit more on assists, but he wasn't. Raymond has been dishing uh, a lot of them out and just been racking up a ton of assists to start the season. If he can continue that pace up. Well, I, I think it's his to lose. You know what I mean? Like, he's already got such a good start. But at the same time, too, we all know goals are flashy. And then all of a sudden, Janot just came out of nowhere. And and here he is, you know? So it, well, he's going to make a very interesting case towards the end of the year. I tell you what, uh, similarly, there's a lot of meat in this discussion, too. I mean, I know it's we're still only halfway through the year. I could make a case for any of the four. Um, I think the oddball out here is is Cider because Cider's a D-man. So you've got a D-man who's third in points. And I think that speaks more, uh, speaks more volumes than an offensive, than an offenseman. Uh, also, to have we mentioned, Zegris is a centerman. So uh, I was talking with somebody about, he was like, yeah, Jano, Jano uh, is leading in, in goals. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's really good. Jano's number one in goals. But the problem is you don't go generally off the goals. You go off the points because yeah, for people like Zegers, who's centermen, centermen generally are the dishers; they're not the scorers. So it's it's unfair to go to solely on goals that hurt centermen. So you have to go on points, and so and Zegers is second in points because of that he bumps up because of that. But it's also hard to, like I said, calculate that with a defenseman who's got basically the same. And we talked about the marketability of hockey for the NHL to see the Dishigan goal, a goal they've never seen. It's really hard to to argue against that level of talent as being the best rookie because he's given the league something they've never seen, even if he's not maybe the number one in points. Well, I mean, here's an interesting case too, because Tanner Janot also has less ice time than a lot of the candidates. And he also, he doesn't get a lot of offensive zone starts. A lot of his starts are defensive zone starts, which is very interesting because I actually saw a chart pulled up where it was like, 
Zegris and like Raymond, and it was totally lopsided. Like Zegris and Raymond had what you would expect. You know, I think it was like 150 each. And it was like Tanner Juno had like hardly anything. And he's not on our power play where Raymond is. And Zegris has been for the Ducks. So they've actually been racking up more points that way too. So to be fair, Juno has had less offensive time and he's still putting out good numbers. So it's it's very interesting to see like how Hines has been utilizing Juno basically in more of a defensive role, yet he's somehow managing to get more offensive production out of him. So like my whole point is like if you're seeing these numbers, do you start putting him in more offensive zone you know starts? I, I don't know. Like it's it's a very interesting conversation to have because like it is definitely lopsided for the other candidates. And oh. you would think that towards the end of the year it would average out and then those people that are getting more of the offensive starts would pull ahead. That's just my so I, I would say that's a point even in Janelle's favor. The time on ice and, and possession time leans towards actually I would give an advantage to Janelle. If all else things being considered, Janelle has like half the time on ice that the other players have, whereas they're all about equal in, in goals and assists. Um, there was one other point about that I was going to make. Uh, oh, it's that it's that uh, Janelle doesn't have name recognition. We talk about that a lot and how important that is around the league. Uh, you're talking about rookies. Now, the top two Detroit guys, I really don't think they're going to be able to put both Detroit players uh, on the ballot. I think you only have one one guy from Detroit and then maybe Zegers and the Janelle, but I don't I don't really know. I, I, you could put two Detroits on the on the ballot, uh, but Janelle doesn't have the name recognition that nearly as bad as any of the other three. Uh, Raymond and, and Sider were both very, even, even Sider started the year the hottest and then Raymond became the hottest and then the Zegris goal put him on the map is maybe the hottest. So Janot doesn't have any of those things. So in, in one sense, it's, it's a disadvantage to him. But, you know, still a lot of hockey left. I mean, we've seen the lead change two or three times already. So I'm sure it's going to change again. Well, it's, you know, Matt, I'm kind of upset with you because you took my first question in our Preds section. And that just leads us into it. First question I had for everybody was, make sure I do the cut here is that, is Tanner Janot a contender for the Calder, which we've talked about in length? Yes. Now, yes. the next question I want to talk about, since we're talking about hardware, Matt and Daniel, is, is Saros the best goalie in the league right now? And should he be considered for the Vesna, the Jennings, and the Hart Trophy this season, depending on how the Preds finish? This is going to be a very interesting conversation. So the last several games, obviously, there's been a little bit of a slump for the Preds, and we'll get into that in a few. They've lost about four in a row. Um, not completely, that's definitely not all on Soros too. We had Forsberg on COVID list and Ekholm at one point in time. That was a big blow. I mean, you're talking about, you know, once Harpoor gets back, you know, gets back out on the ice, it's kind of like downhill from there. But um, that said, his stats have been absolutely phenomenal and off the chart, especially in like, I, we were looking at, I think the last like 50 games, there's no one better than him. Like it, it is absolutely astonishing what he's been able to do since taking over the number one position from Peck. But have um, you looked at the player cards that uh, Dom from the Athletic has come out with? Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite crazy. I mean, like his market value is at nine point two million right now. What's his contract at? Five five million dollars. <laughs> and for a goalie, that's I mean that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean it's it's definitely in that whole like. And the funny part is, and on the player card, is its expected save percentage is really low because of how bad they think 
the Preds are going to get scored on. Like, it's very interesting to see how, like, some of these things factor in. But, like, wins are way up there. Save percentage. His save percentage, I mean, almost every game he's been hitting, like, .92. I mean, what? There was a stretch during that win streak where he had had, um, what was it, like, four, three or four in a row where he stopped 40-plus shots. I mean, it's it's just nuts the amount of volume he's also facing, too. Well, it's amazing to look at this because, you know, um, so if you don't know this, so Dom from The Athletic came up with a model of a series of, like, hockey player cards that he shows for every team. So you like the air, you like Coyotes, they've got one for them. Like Jets, got one for them. He's got one for the Preds. And literally, Saros is in the star category of almost everything. And guys, he looks like somebody who is comfortable taking the amount of starts he's got considering this is his first year as the full-time uh, A1 goalie. I'll say uh, somebody else showed the stats between him under uh, this coach and last coach under Laviolette, and his numbers are even better now. But that's not necessarily a one-to-one comparison of him getting better necessarily under the system so much as it is him developing into a the number one goalie. But it is interesting to note. I will say, though, upon looking on the stats on NHL.com, a minimum of 15 games, Soros isn't as hot as you think he is. Uh, he's only seventh in save percentage, and about well, that's the same. because here, re- like I just told you, like here recently the last three or four games they lost. They were getting like four or five hung on them every game because it was like the Avs and everything, and Ekholm was out. Yeah, so that was it's, a bad stretch. It was a really bad stretch. So that definitely put him behind here recently, um, as far as the stats are concerned. So I, once again, it's going to be a long season. It'll be interesting but, to see where he ends up at the end, but. Has he meant the most to our team? For sure. Like him and Yossi, for sure, have just carried the Preds to where they are right now. Because if you told me the Preds would be, even with this four-game losing streak currently, I, I mean, it is absolutely incredible what they're doing right now on a rebuild year. So that said, Soros... Competitive rebuild. Competitive rebuild, yes. So that said, Soros is definitely the most important player on our team in my mind because if we have an injury and he goes down oh my um i i will say <clears throat> I, I won't put him in the vesna category at the moment uh you're in very rare company then if you don't i, I would put him in a a, a, a finalist position uh, right sure now. sure maybe put him in the finalist discussion but i'll tell you what what, my, what i wanted to say that was is that i think the what i really feel more uh determined about more passionate about is is the heart discussion about him being the most valuable player to the team i i definitely am on excuse me am on that team that i think he's meant more to the preds than than any player has uh for their team somebody else robbie stanley or somebody else also noted that somebody on twitter i forget who it was exactly so i can't really give credit i actually i saw that too but it wasn't actually a local person it was someone from like i think Sportsnet or you know yeah somebody more nationwide yeah it was more more national coverage too said the same thing and I had to agree like there's they're not at the position they are at right now if it's not for Soros like hands down like I'm sorry like we're in a playoff spot right now like pretty handily in a playoff spot like we've we've been playing competitive hockey like the games have been close okay so like that's all you can ask for right now and he's been a workhorse like Richie has barely played this year okay like the other night when he finally played i was like oh yeah i forgot we have a backup goalie like and it was on a back-to-back night like you know like just seven games yeah i mean it's it's very impressive the amount of games that they've put him under and as i said to earlier the amount of shots i mean like i said you're talking about three or four games in a row of 40 plus shots on a row like you're a ton of volume 
I think I think that's the key difference is when you're discussing Vesna, you're looking at save percentage and goals, uh, save percentage and GAA. Um, so yes, but when you're talking heart and other things, you're looking at other metrics such as goals saved above expected and and there were certain things, the things you just mentioned. Those stats are the deeper stats that lead me to go into the the heart discussion as opposed to the Vesna. Well, why does Vasilevsky be a finalist for the Vesna almost every single year? Because how how many wins do they have? A ton. How, what's his goal percentage? Pretty high. Like you know, you know what I mean. His save percentage is usually pretty high because he's playing in front of a really good team. Do you know what I mean? Like I mean, there, yeah. There's a lot of factors, and like I've said with the Norris and some of these other trophies, there's a lot of factors in getting lucky for some of these because you have to be healthy a lot. And if you're on a good team, it does help. Like it I, does help if I'm on a really good team. So like if I'm on the Lightning in the last couple of years. Vasilevsky, ironically enough, has been a finalist the last couple of years, and that just is what it is. So, and you have to remember if Tampa makes the playoffs, because right now they've got the best overall record at fourteen four and three for their home, and their away game is thirteen five and two. So this is a great record. They get the playoffs. If they get in the playoffs and get bounced, you do not hear Vasilevsky talked about as being a Vezina person at all. Uh, I don't know. I I I was just thinking about this the other day. It's funny we're talking about Vasilevsky a little bit. I think Vasilevsky has been consistently one of the most consistent goalies in the league the last six years. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better goalie. I know that Tampa's been a, a wagon, but he's he's up there. I don't care how far they go in the playoffs; he's the guy. And I, I could throw a couple other guys in there, but I, I guess the point I was maybe drilling to the bedrock of what I think about Soros is I view him as as an excellent value who's performing above expected rates, but I don't view him as elite necessarily. I don't really put him in the same category as Vasilevsky. I know you got to have a rest of an elite club around you, but I just view him as an excellent value. No, I mean, you can't argue the value too. Like, I mean, you're talking to like a $5 million player, almost double as far as the value on the chart. Like he is by far the most important player for our team. So, I, I, I mean, I would be shocked if he doesn't win the heart this year. I, I really would be. Because, like you said, Kyle, competitive rebuild, there's a lot of factors that come into that. Uh, I mean, he's definitely by far carried the team to where we're at right now. And so, guys, since we're talking about value, let's talk about Philip Forsberg real quick. We've beat this dead horse time and time again, and we're going to do it again. Do you think Philip Forsberg is going to resign this season? Because... He's sitting here at a $6 million salary and Dom's got him playing about a $9.5 million salary. It's a contract year. Guy's going crazy. I mean, even uh, Adam said, even Adam Vinnigan on The Athletic himself has flip-flopped back and forth. So, again, question, do you think we're going to sign him or not? I, I, once again, I don't mean to beat it, but it's going to come down to the term. I mean, we're probably looking at he's wanting some six, seven, eight-year deal because he's a younger player wanting to lock it in. But at the same time, too, I feel like we're going to be willing to pay that that $9 million. We have the cap space. I mean, it's there and available, and his numbers have been off the chart. I mean, like literally the other night, flash on the screen, his goals per 60, 2.3 goals per 60 minutes. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. He leads the NHL on that stat. Now, granted, he's had... You know, a stint with COVID. He's also had an injury this year. So, you know, he's been a little, you know, squishier and you need to factor that in. But that said, I, I mean, I would be more than willing to pay nine, nine and a half, but at a lower term at like four to five million because you cannot get stuck with another long term Matt Duchesne or 
which as Johansson, Joey, really, I'm not, honestly like Matt Duchesne's really doing a lot better this year. I mean, Matt's been all over his case. As yeah, far as like, after I was going to burn him last year, though, yeah, he was ready to burn him. But then this year, he's kind of revitalized it by moving to the wing. That said, I, I I feel like it does get done because he is a key identity player that you want moving forward. It's just that term is going to be very, very interesting to see what he wants and then what Poyle is willing to actually give. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be wanting six years. I think that's going to be uh, the going rate as far as what Forsberg wants. I think he wants that loyalty deal, uh, but that may be hard to come by. I'm personally probably not going to cut that deal, uh, but you know me, I'm short. I'm a short leash guy. Uh, but regardless, even if he stays uh, and gets re-signed or if he gets dealt somewhere else, um, the fact that he's been doing so well lately only only increases his stock value. So it's only good news for Preds fans because if he stays, he's been hot, so he adds more value to you. And if he leaves, you're getting more value in return because he's he's hot at the moment. So your price, what you're getting back in return for him is more. So either way, that's, that's still good news. It's, it's a good position to be in, I guess. So that leads to the last question I have for our Preds talk. And that's something I thought maybe we could spam upon a little bit. Um, look at the Preds. They're 10th in the league right now, despite their losses. You know, they're playing the Jets tonight. They're third in the conference. They're third in the division. You know, they're playing well above 500 hockey. And, you know, everybody this season said, I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs. Well, with the stellar play of Duchesne and Forsberg and Saros, you know, between the pipes, you know, this team has backed itself into a playoff position. And more than likely, we're going to make the playoffs. Now, probably not going to win the cup. Let's be honest. We're, we're probably it's a, long, it's a long shot. It's a long shot to win the cup, but you're GMDP and you've got the opportunity to get somebody at the trade deadline. Are you going to do it? No, no, no. First of all, I was one of those people that said like, I would be more than happy like us not making the playoffs this year and then them actually using the youth and rebuilding. And guess what? They have been and it's been working and also your star players are actually starting to perform. So it's, it's panning out. Okay. So that said, I'm not adding anybody. We just, traded a few people away to get a few of the picks that we've been dealing away for how many years, okay? Because we've been trying to make a run, trying to make a run, and it hasn't worked. Do not do it again. We've just done that. So, like, let's let's stop doing that. We're going to keep our picks. Still, you know, hedge our bets for the future. You're still using the youth. I, I say you stay put. And if anything, like Matt alluded to earlier, Forsberg's value just keeps going up. I don't want to trade him. Believe me, I do not want to trade him. But at the same time, too, like if you have to deal with him, then, you know, you're going to get a ton of stuff in return. So here's the kind of the catch 22, though. Yeah, he's a great player, but I don't as a GM, I don't want to be put in a position where I'm handicapped by me having to give him more money than I want to pay just because of a loyalty or because the fan base is clamoring for it. That puts me in a tough spot. I, I, to make me have to pay more than what I want. My gut is is right. You know, if I'm looking at it on stats and I say, okay, I can only pay him so much. If you can't make that work, you're going to be pressured to make it work. And as, as a GM, I wouldn't want to be put in that position. But I agree with you, Dan. I'm not doing anything. I think yeah, you you're, still, you're still showing me what's up. You're still on a pretty good trend, still pretty good trend, much better than you were. I'm not doing anything. And I'm definitely not risking the future on, on, on this team at the moment who still is in a bit of an identity crisis. I mean, Dom has got it basically saying here that we have like, he did actually, he didn't, didn't even put the number on the thing. 
you know, he said we're going to get tried to the conference final, and that's about as far as we could possibly get before we get squeezed out. I mean, this cup is basically the Avalanche's cup to lose. Yeah, I mean, at this and point. we know how it goes. You know, if you've not been a team named Tampa the last two years, no matter how good you did, you didn't get the cup. And Tampa's right up there. They are third on the list of, you know, chances to get the cup. Here's the deal. Habs last year squeaked in as a 16th seed, made it to the finals. So in my mind, you just need to make it to the finals and pray for a run. And guess what? If the Preds make it to the the, the Stanley Cup playoffs and they just happen to do another run, so be it. But like I said, the goal every year is to get yourself in the position to make the playoffs. And if they do it by staying pat, even better because we didn't have to deal out anybody. Like, why would we go out and add more pieces while also giving away future assets again when it didn't work the last three or four years? And we could stay pat and at least make the playoffs. Yeah, I just want to point out, you know, that sweet Montreal Cup run last year that cost them blood on about yes. every... It was a human sacrifice to yes. get there from every player. They're yeah. currently dead last they're in the league. dead last. <laughs> they didn't deserve the Cup run. Like, they maybe they're not dead last... Uh, caliber but they definitely weren't stanley cup winning caliber either that was a magnificent run but again there's so much parity in the league so much stuff can go to and fro for you uh, yeah i don't know what they were drinking for the the run but apparently it worked because like I, I mean it just it and it's all falling apart too like I, the other night it was them and the coyotes and i think it's like this the stats flash on the screen and it was like both these teams have only had like three wins in the last like combined 20 games. It was like, it was something bad. Like, uh, who oh. did Arizona beat the other night? They beat the Habs. No, I was either Hobbs or the, uh, Oh, you're talking about a good team. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, I think it was the lightning. It was, wasn't it? It was uh, I'll have to pull it up, but it did shock me. Cause I was like, wow, they just pulled that one out of nowhere. But that said, yeah, the Habs have, fully cemented themselves as the basement of the league this year. And I, I didn't know that was going to be possible. Like, well, what uh, about Florida Panthers? They're doing crazy good, bro. They've hung nine goals on two teams in the last week. Yeah. It's, it's been, they're averaging something like check the notes, uh, average five and a half goals in the last 10 games. No, they're the ones who spanked Tampa. That's who it was. That was a big deal for them too. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're hot. It's unfortunate that, uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in in Florida. But I tell you what, they're a sleeper team. They're one of the they're elite right now, and everybody sleeps on them. They always talk about Tampa and you know Carolina and Colorado, but I I think I'm I'm going to be back in Florida as an underdog. Just give me just don't be a number one seed, and I'll be happy. That's all I want. Yeah, I, I think Florida is going to be a sleeper team this year because uh, I mean they just don't get the media coverage as most. We're t- we're talking about sleeper as far as Stanley Cup favorites. Yes, yeah. because obviously the lightning and the abs are like one and two, you know, like, Oh, the abs are going to win. I mean, they, everybody has them off the chart again. Well, last year you got wrecked again in the playoff. Like that's always how it happens. So like, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when it happens once again this year, I'll probably end up picking the abs in my bracket and still lose somehow. But you know, uh, that's what I've done the last two years. So I got to stay consistent. But that said, like, yeah, I, I feel like the Panthers are Low key flying under the radar right now with everything going on, and and similarly, uh, Colorado's averaging four goals a game for the first time since '95, which is You're welcome for that stat. By the way, I was gonna say one of you guys told me that. But. Yeah, so so their offense, and I alluded to this, is like unbelievable. But the funny part is their PK has been really bad, and they've been struggling against teams that draw a lot of penalties. So the other night, the Preds eked out a win, you know, and they had a couple power play goals against them. And they draw a lot of penalties. So that's yeah. something to look 
for in the playoffs is a team matchup against the Avs that draws a lot of penalties and has a decent power play because that could be a huge upset. Like I said, you know, that's a little deep dive for you on the stats there. So, But uh, last time we played Colorado, I was shocked just how fast they were. Oh. Like it made the Preds look like they were standing still no matter what we did. I mean, yeah, I'm glad we won the we, game. We got lucky that game. We got lucky. But, yeah. I was just like, I was like, these guys make it look like we're a bunch of old men on the ice. Oh, dude, Colorado is high flying, but that's the whole thing it goes back to is like, do they have enough defense to just get a get through a four game series and, they, you know, that's our seven game series and win four. And they just somehow always run into that one team that finds that one little weakness that they have that little chink in the armor and they somehow succumb to it every single playoff year. So, like I said this year, that's going to be something they need to address is their their PK um, cause if they can figure that out, they're golden, but I, I don't know at this point. So, so Matt, what you got over there? You kind of quiet. Oh, I don't have anything, Kyle. That's strange. You usually like generally have all these different type of little things to do, but you know, you're a fan of Terry Chris. Did you see that he was named Nashville sports media association sportscaster of the year? I, I did not know that actually. Uh, <clears throat> that's the first time I heard about it. So that's incredible. He's the one I said, what was he doing the other day? Uh, he was having like his goodbye a couple of weeks ago in Calgary, you know, where he used to coach. Oh, yeah, they love him up there. And it, what was it he was doing the day? I said, well, he should have. Maybe it was when uh, Coach was out sick with COVID. And yeah, I said, we wanted Terry. They should have had Terry, Terry Chris come back and coach one last game. With uh, McDonald. With yeah, with Lonnie McDonald. Man. Mustache oh, McDonald. My, that would have been awesome. Could you imagine looking up and seeing Terry Crisp on the bench for that game? Yeah. I mean, that would have been awesome. I, I, was, I was rooting for that. They should have done that. But uh, yeah, he's a legend here. And not just hockey town, but like I said, you know, he won a cop in Calgary. And uh, he's when you're watching the broadcast, he's a lovable character. So I'm glad to see him get some accolades. And they tend to do that, send you off a little nice care package on your way out, give you a couple little uh, awards. So good for him. Well, do you have any stats for us? I mean, it's been a while. It's been about a month since we've recorded. So I figured that's give you enough time to collect some stats up. Oh, I got I got stats he's for days. He's just scrolling. He's already like got his thumb out like this. Well, yeah. Hit us with your best ones. Okay, let me give <laughs> you some stats and then uh, and then give you a couple records to top it off here. I'll mention that the. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins have won 10 straight the other day. I think they're the only team this year to go 10 straight. And uh, also, Mark Bergevin was named uh, to the Kings as senior advisor to the GM, so he's getting back in the game, which is not surprising. And uh, Tuka Rask signed uh, a one-year deal back with the Bruins again. One year, one mil deal. Shocker. So, uh, yeah. And uh, Colorado has won 14 straight wins at home, which is freaking impressive. And while while I'm on the roll here, McDavid... Uh, not McDavid, uh, Matthews could have tied uh, the all-time <laughs> uh, number of goals in a row On the away. Yeah. It would have been 11, but he had 10 <laughs> goals last night, and then he gets a goal. It's like less than five minutes in the third period, and the goal was called back because it was a kicking. He kicked it, kicking motion, so they called it back, and he he's not able to settle the record and uh, and get the all-time uh, record. So sucks for him, but uh, whatever. So um, some records, let me tell you. Zdeno Chara now passes Scott Stevens for second most games played amongst D-men in history, and he's on pace uh, to finish this year for number one all-time, actually. And I was telling my buddy, I got a new buddy at work who's from Pittsburgh, so we're talking Pittsburgh hockey all the time now, which is great. Uh, you don't see too many just random guys yeah. that know hockey like I do, and uh, I, he don't know it like I do, but you know, know it enough to, to have a conversation <laughs> yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, was, I was sharing him the stat the other day that now that... Uh, Malkin came back last week. Him and Crosby and Latang have played 16 seasons in a row together. Yeah. And that's the most by a trio, if anybody. Yeah, I saw that 
we saw that pop up the other night and I was like, what a iconic trio. Like you think about it, that's amazing. That's 16 that's, seasons uh, together. That's, that's a franchise. That's bro. a core group right there. I mean, they've won, you know, countless cups together. So yeah. it's, that's fantastic. And, uh, I'll, I will finish, you know, I'm quite fond of my boy Lidstrom coming back to Detroit. So I'm going to leave you with a stat about Detroit hockey town. Nick Lidstrom is only one of two guys in NHL history to play 20 years in the league and never miss the playoffs. Yep. That's that's amazing. So there you go, Kyle. It's a just a just at the end of the episode. <laughs> Maybe you'll get back into the playoffs. No, hey, don't bring L- me down, Lister buddy. I'm on will. a high here. They will. They will. Just give it some time. Another couple years. It'll be fine. So Daniel, what games got coming up? All right. So currently we're playing uh, the Jets and it is actually three to nil right now in the first. So excellent start for the Preds. Like literally they're just, I, I just refreshed and it went from one to three. So we scored immediately. Tolvanen scores. Uh, Granlin scores and Johansson scores and it looks like Yossi already has two assists in the first period. So a good start. This has actually been a very typical start for the Preds recently before that losing streak. They usually got out to that good, uh, you know, like two or three goal lead and then they would clamp yeah. down. I'll and tell then, you, sidebar, the Preds have been excellently hot in the first period, which has been their Achilles heel the last couple of years. F- yeah, and the last four games when we were losing, we were on the other foot. So I never remember Haim saying like he really wanted a good start tonight. Well, three goals in the first, so good start. Um, after this, we have Detroit Saturday, which Matt will be there. Of I'm going to be there, baby. We Let's go. Seattle Kraken in Seattle. So I think that'll be our first away game there. So that'll be fun one to watch. Uh, and then you have Edmonton, and then we'll wrap it up with uh, Vancouver on yeah the 1st of February. Already in February. Isn't that crazy? I think you should call that February. Oh, oh February stars. Here, here they come. You know, he's actually not really fond of that. Really? What? Who doesn't want a month named after them? Well, I think it's the fact there's too much hype put up behind it. Okay, fair. He's just kind of like, Unrealistic yeah. Unrealistic expectations. It's, yeah. Unreal. Well, I mean, but... Here, here's the deal. Statistically, you've destroyed in February. So what else are we supposed to talk about? Well, it, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. We're going to go ahead and uh, look forward to Matt Timber coming up this year, September, my birth, my birth month. Yeah, but you don't play hockey. Well, you never know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, guys, that's the show for the day. Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed our casual type. You know, hopefully soon we'll be back in our studio and we'll have things a little more proper set up. Uh, first time going through it all. Well, uh, you know, I think we did pretty well, guys. But if you want to follow the show, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Music City Gold. And you can also find us on you can also find us on iTunes at Music City Gold as well. I kind of forgot the uh, our own iTunes there for a second. But until next time, guys, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.